You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Welcome back to a new episode this week, episode 127 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Cody, Abrams, and Melbourne. Guys, hard to believe that we are almost at the end of May here and uh, almost into June and making our way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's uh, time to uh, get into the Final Four, almost. Uh, We'll get into that in a little bit, but first of all, how are you guys doing? Yeah, hard to the playoffs always feel so quick to me, but being so busy in my personal life, it's like lightning fast. This month has been crazy. And like my brother's getting married this weekend. So I've got a lot to look forward to at the moment. And, and I'm going to be on the go a lot here and, and to Toronto again. I, I've been in Toronto like five of the last six weeks and then, uh, you know, driving to Brockville. So a ton going on. I'm like super busy, but kind of catching games here and there as much as I can. And then if not watching highlights, but I did get a lot of the battle of Alberta and that's the one I really cared about. How you doing? Chad. Uh, case I'm doing well. Why don't you just move to Toronto, man? Like you're, you're here every weekend. You're making the trip from Collingwood. Like just move here. We can be, buddies. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm just going to keep my summer house here in Collingwood and get a nice little place in Toronto as well. I'm super rich as you all are well aware. <laughs> <laughs> Not. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be the plan. You've moved 18 times since we've been yeah. doing this podcast. Might as well move one more time to, uh, to the city, but I- I'm with you, man. I've, I've been fairly busy as well. Uh, for different reasons, though, and I wasn't able to catch a ton of the the second round. I did my best while I was in Florida, and by the way, that happened. It wasn't just a bit. Like I went to Florida, and uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch a game. I uh, couldn't convince the guys to make the trip. Uh, it was about an hour and a half from where we were staying, and you know, we just wanted to do beaching and stuff, and so whatever. It, but uh, you know, we had a fantastic time. I caught a couple games while I was there. Game four, notably, uh, of the Battle of Florida, we watched, and oh, let's not call it a battle. Well, that's the thing. Was it, it wasn't. It wasn't right, and I mean, I. Pick Tampa Bay to win. I think they're going to win the cup now, boys. So whoever we talk about in this in this final round or in this conference final round, you know who I'm picking. But it's just it's a shame that wasn't a better series because it was so good last year. But um, I guess we should say before we get into it here that it's a Monday night and it's 5:30. We're recording before. Game seven has been played between Carolina and New York. You can see I'm wearing my New York Rangers shirt because it's Casey's favorite team, but I'm also (laughs) wearing a golf hat. Um, I'm trying to do a bit of a mush here because I want Carolina to win. So that being said, that's kind of how we're going to do this episode. We're going to have to talk about scenario A, where Tampa Bay plays Carolina, scenario B, where Tampa Bay plays New York. And we'll talk about both of those. And I'm looking forward to it because this conference final is going to be extremely good on both sides. And uh, yeah, just can't wait to jump right in. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, things are good here in Beeville, boys. Just uh, 
looking forward to the next couple of months are going to be really busy just with events and things going on and beautiful weather that we're having so yeah things are really great but uh yeah let's uh let's do a little cap or no cap before we talk about uh some conference final matchups you're now listening to cap or no cap right here on the boys in the booth podcast no cap this shit bussin and uh, I've got three for you guys. So, of course, uh, the Calgary Flames are now done. Uh, they were eliminated by the Edmonton Oilers in the Battle of Alberta in five games. And so here's the first one for you guys. Johnny Gaudreau, who's a UFA this summer, has priced himself out of Calgary and will be a member of a new team come October. Cap or no cap? Case. Uh, I think we've we've beat around the bush of this one before and i've i've always said that he's going to stick around but he's he's been so dynamic even in the playoffs he's really stepped up again and it's like yeah maybe he is going to price himself out um there's a lot of talk that it's either him or kachuk and i have a, a hard time uh trying to figure out who i'd want more on calgary if i were calgary but i also feel like you're going to get more value from matthew kachuk so i'm going to say uh cap Johnny Gaudreau is still going to be a Calgary Flame next year. I'm going to agree with you, Case, because I think even though there's all this chatter about Johnny Gaudreau potentially leaving in free agency because, you know, like you said, Harp, maybe he priced himself out. I just think they find a way to get it done uh, and re-sign both of those players long term because I think they're part of the the group that they've built. And I think there's some unfinished business here, especially with Daryl Sutter behind the bench. I think this is a group that knows they're deep, knows they can win and uh yeah i just think they find a way to get it done because if they don't and they kind of have to retool uh, you know if they lose johnny gaudreau no matter who you bring in to replace him you're taking a step back and i don't think the group is ready to do that so i think they move some money around they figure it out and uh and they get the the deal done they've got to send some of the calgary hitmen after uh milan lucic and get rid of that contract is what they need to do yeah that's a bad one and I'll let you try to figure out if I mean the uh, WHL team or literal hitman. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and just a couple of things before we move on to the next one, the Sean Monahan contract as well, because Monahan had a tough season. And so he's got a little bit of term left uh, on that. He's making just over $6 million a year, I believe. And he had a tough season. He was a healthy scratch on the fourth line and all of that. So him as well, but guys, Another guy that needs a new deal this summer is Andrew Mangiapane. And so that's why I wanted to propose this question to you guys, because you have Johnny Gaudreau to deal with. You have Matthew Kachuk to deal with. But Mangiapane is a big part of this team as well, guys. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Could we possibly see an offer sheet for a guy like that? Uh, I think it's possible. So um, he's he's a factor as well in, in how this all plays out i think that could be know? a that could be a kotkaniemi esque type of offer sheet there yeah for him does he have uh arbitration rights do we know that i believe so yes he's an rfa while the other two are ufas and i do i do believe manjipani is is uh is an rfa with our rights yes that's gonna i i hate that because with their cap crunch right now and well like i love it for 
I'll get to that. With their cap crunch right now, they're going to be going in there like management for Calgary and absolutely shitting on Mangiapane and yeah. destroying that relationship if they go to ARP. So mm. they better either figure it out or we'll see an offer sheet or something or it's just going to ruin Mangiapane and uh, Calgary. Right. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to the next one here. Uh, Case, want to talk about your New Jersey Devils for this next one. The Devils will end up moving that second overall pick in this upcoming draft, cap or no cap? Ooh, um, <laughs> that's tough for me because, honestly, I, I'm kind of at the point where they want, I want them to move it. And uh, for me, I, I think that there's no clear number two in this draft and and basically it's a pretty deep one and the team is kind of in that win now mode they need some big now pieces so uh with slakovsky kind of doing really well in the worlds and in the olympics and everything he's been doing lately i say move this pick because people are pretty high on slakovsky that aren't named chad yeah so i'm gonna say <laughs> uh no cap they're gonna move that all Second right overall pick it's gonna be huge uh, i this this one's tough. I'm gonna say cap just because I'm trying to think off the top of my head when the last time a top two pick was moved at the draft. Can you guys recall? Like, is has it been that long, or am I just blanking? Because it, it seems to me like that doesn't happen often, or at least in recent memory. So I'm just gonna play the odds here and say no cap. They don't, or say cap. They don't move it uh, just because. It seems unlikely. Like, what are you expecting to get in return for a second round pick? Like, I don't even know what what the value is there. Or for a second, second overall pick. Second overall pick. My bad. Yeah, second overall right. pick. I Like, what is the value there? If I'm thinking about the Maple Leafs, like... Like, a second what? overall pick and a little more for Matthew Kachuk would fare pretty well in my mind for the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have a hard time with with this draft because like you said there's no clear number two like i think between two and like eight is a complete toss-up and i think it's just magic beans i don't know i like i don't know i i'd be i'd be worried moving a player like kachuk for a second second overall pick in this draft I was excited to ask this question because I got thinking of potential scenarios and I have one that I want to throw out to you guys, okay? There's a rebuilding team in the Western Conference. They don't own their first-round pick, and it's high because of the trade they made with Columbus for Seth Jones, and that's the the Chicago Blackhawks. And Kyle Davidson has made it clear that they're going into a rebuild, and this could be one of those classic teardown rebuilds. You've got guys like Kane, you've got guys like Debrinkit, and Chicago would like to have their own first round pick. Could we see a scenario like that? What What do you guys think? Because that's something I've been thinking about uh, attached to this question. I'm just having a hard time wondering what the Devils would want to take from Chicago to fit into their system. Um their top guys, their core pieces, and their future core pieces, not very big. Debrinkat, not very big. Patrick Kane is aging and is what we want Jack Hughes to be. So it's like those big pieces that Chicago has are, are not very enticing as a Devils fan because of what we currently have. So I like the idea of it because, like you said, like 
the the need is there for Chicago to get that first round pick back and the Devils are also willing to trade there so so those two are met but I don't know what Chicago has that I really want come on Patrick Kane case yeah okay Patrick Kane for two more years uh, at the level he can play is like I don't I just I don't know it's like if they're a little further in the playoff category the topic of uh, playoffs I'd be all about getting Patty Kane, but they didn't even, they came fifth last this year. And we're talking about Patty Kane right now. That is true. I mean, don't you think if they got Patrick Kane and Jack Hughes is a year older, he's yeah. there, to, he's there to mentor and they make yeah, the playoffs. Sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, if they got, they get NHL average goaltending to make the playoffs. There's yeah. a lot of ifs there, but it's like, that's, a, I'd rather get a 24 to 28 year old player right now with that second overall pick yeah but i don't think you i mean okay fair enough if that's what you want that's what you want i just think when i look at patrick kane he's still so freaking good he makes your team twice as good if you get him up front to mentor jack hughes you want to take the best u.s born player who's ever played hockey and put him on your team next to an up-and-coming U.S. prodigy, like, that's going to be good if you can link those two together. But that being said, I don't think Chicago even entertains the idea. I think they laugh at that because, first of all, they're dum-dums, and they're going to hold on to Patrick Kane for way too long until he's worth absolutely nothing. They should have traded him at the deadline this year, got their four first-round picks, and, you know, laughed all the way to the bank. But I don't think they're going to do it. And second of all, I just don't think that, uh, that that they value the second overall pick as much as, you know, maybe they should, seeing as how they don't have their own first. So I think because they're dum-dums, they don't even entertain it. But that would be interesting. That would definitely be interesting, Harp. All right. Uh, and the third one for uh, for cap or no cap before we move on, uh, sticking with the draft, the team right after the New Jersey Devils, and that is the Arizona Coyotes picking number three. Defenseman Jacob Chikrin will get moved at the draft, cap or no cap? I'm going to say cap. I think that the fact that he hasn't been moved already is just telling me that they either want way too much for him or people don't value him nearly as much as the media does. And it's kind of uh film like a broken record for me. And I think they've got to make this decision now that it's either we move them, which they haven't yet, or we just use this guy as a core piece and a cornerstone on the defense. So I don't think he gets moved. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to say cap. I don't think he moves. Uh, I think the right time to move him was at this year's trade deadline when people were overpaying, when teams were overpaying for players. I think they could have got a King's Ransom. Clearly, they want a King's Ransom and, and uh, you know, teams don't want to pay that. So I think they had a great opportunity to move him. If they were to move him at the draft, I feel like they, they're probably not going to get as much. And uh, it, that would just be a bad move. But Arizona is accustomed to bad moves, so maybe we could be proven wrong, Case. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say cap. I don't think they move him at, at the deadline or at the yeah. uh, at the draft. It could be possible that he gets moved at the deadline, maybe. But that moving him out at the, at the draft, for one, I think you get less value than you do at the draft, as well as I think their number two defenseman is like Capabianco or something like that. So it's yeah. like 
they they can barely play an NHL season this year if they don't have him Ghost had a big year six minutes. True. Yeah, Ghost was good. And they'll have uh, Schoderstrom next year, right? Like, he'll be a, a yep. full-time player, and he'll be a good one. Maybe. Maybe. He's starting to feel like uh, John Larson and, uh, and or Adam Larson or whatever Larson is in Arizona. There's too many Larsons. <laughs> Slow down on the Larsons. The one that's in Anaheim has been like, uh, we've been saying that about him for five years now. Oh, the one, oh yeah, uh, Jacob Larson Jacob. In, uh, in Anaheim. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, good stuff, boys. It'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens at the draft and in in the summer and in general. Uh, but we're not quite there yet. We are still uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, of course, and uh, we're we're getting so close to having the final four decided and so uh we just have one game left in round two and of course that's game seven tonight as we mentioned off the top between the new york rangers and the carolina hurricanes it starts at eight o'clock tonight and so let's go through scenario a and so uh we'll go with the carolina hurricanes facing off against the tampa bay lightning in the eastern conference finals so we'll start with that scenario and if that were to happen, which I I think it will, and and uh, I'm high on the Hurricanes, I think they will pull through in Game 7 on home ice and face Tampa. But if that were to happen, I've got Tampa Bay winning in six games. So what do you guys think uh, with that series, if that scenario were to come to fruition? Yeah, first I want to say uh, typical Rangers fashion to ruin this for us. Um, we had a great thing going and it's Monday night. We're about to record the podcast and they had to stretch it to seven games so they can lose in game seven. So way to go. They ruined that. They ruined the left uh, draft for me. Like what's next? Um, but uh, if Carolina is the team that goes through and, and that's what I expect, um, it's going to be more interesting for sure. I was looking at this the whole time and I'm like, it's Tampa, it's Tampa, it's Tampa. And I'm saying like, Carolina's only one at home. You can't win a cup like that. But wait, you actually can't. They physically can win a cup that way. If they only win at home, it's possible to win unless Colorado is coming in. So I started kind of second guessing myself a little bit. But uh, in the end, I think that Tampa Bay, it's going to be a perfect narrative. It's going to win game seven. It's going to be the first game Carolina loses at home this playoffs to send Tampa Bay on. Case. I like it. I love that. That would be <laughs> yeah. that would be fantastic. So Carolina then is at home tonight, right? In in for game seven. Yes. So lock that one up. Throw away the key. That's done. They're winning tonight. <laughs> um, That's me yeah. knocking on wood because. Well, I I already mushed the Rangers by wearing this shirt anyway, so might as well mush Freddie and the the Hurricanes, even though Fred hasn't played once. Um, I can't go against Tampa in either of these scenarios, so I'll say that up front. They looked dominant against the Panthers. Dominant without Braden Point. Mm -hmm. So, like, Andre Vasilevsky was on another planet. You can't even, you can't look at the NHL right now and say that there's a guy who even compares to Vasilevsky in their full body of work. Can't even compare. And I know Shesterkin's pretty good. 
He's going to win the Vesna this year. He's been incredible in the playoffs, aside from a couple games here and there. But Andre Vasilevsky, guys, has been absolutely phenomenal. He willed his team to victory here. And what is it? Five of his last six series clinching games have been shutouts. So chalk that six, six of his last seven, I think. There That's something go. I didn't mention that fits into my narrative that I'm running here about Game Seven. It's a it's a clinching uh, clinching game for Tampa Bay. While Vasilevsky's in, I like Vasilevsky's mojo more than I like Carolina's home mojo. Yeah, and yeah. and you know what, Case, I'm gonna have to agree with you there. I'm gonna go Tampa in seven. And I'd love to see the Vassy shutout. And you can't even jinx him by saying it right now because he'll still do it. You know, he'll probably still have three in the series, you know, so. Yeah, clip that. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go Tampa in seven as well. I think like these teams are pretty evenly matched on paper, you know, up and down their lineup. They they both have really good forwards. Their D are both pretty talented. I think Tampa's are a bit heavier and can kind of beat you down more and, and Carolinas will score more um, and I think that's fair to say and then after that it comes down to goaltending and we already know how I feel about Vasilevsky Antti Ranta is the other guy he was pulled in game six uh, a couple tough ones in that game and then they've got that that Russian backup as well I, I don't even know his name which tells you how good he is um, and Freddie Anderson who's sitting on the sidelines who like if they make it through and Freddie is healthy. I still don't know his timetable. I don't know if he has a clear timetable. But if he gets into games, that's going to be a circus, guys. An absolute media circus. If Freddie Anderson is starting games in the conference finals with like essentially no warm-up. So I just think all signs point to Tampa in this series if, if this is the series that we get. So I just can't, I can't say anything other than Tampa in, uh, in seven games. And and that's for like both scenarios, like or is that just for in, in a series against Carolina? Because I know you, Carolina. you mentioned the Rangers as well. I know I've kind of been talking about both because it's you know we don't know. It's kind of like Schrodinger's cat right now. We don't know who's going to play them, but yeah. So this is against Carolina. I'll take Tampa yeah. in in seven games. Okay, gotcha. All right, and uh, quickly the other side of the coin, and that would be Tampa Bay against. The New York Rangers. This would be a great goaltending matchup. Uh, Vasilevsky against Shesterkin. Like, Shesterkin is going to win the Vesna Trophy this year, but Vasilevsky is the best goaltender on the planet. And what he's doing right now is cementing himself as one of the best goaltenders all time. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but uh, what do we think about that scenario? It's the same for me. Um, I know I said six games for Carolina Tampa, I uh, but I'm kind of more in agreement with you guys there. I could see that going to seven, but I could see it being a shorter series uh, for for Tampa Bay to get it done against the New York Rangers. So I'll go I'll go six there and I'll change it to to seven for Carolina and, and Tampa. What do you guys think? Yeah, I. Uh... This is going to sound super biased, but I'm actually going to take Tampa in five. I think that they're going to uh, sort of run over the Rangers here. Um, a combination of the Rangers not really having the scoring touch necessarily so far in these playoffs and playing Vasilevsky. And then if there's anyone who can crack Shesterkin wide 
open. It's this high heat offense of uh, Tampa Bay. So uh, I, I'm going to have to go with Tampa Bay here. I, I just hate to say it. You know, I, I really want to go with the Rangers. Yeah, you definitely do. Oh, we know, Case. You're, it's, it's, you're in so much pain not taking the Rangers. Yeah, yeah where's your Rangers? Saying, hey, shirt? hey, hey. On the golf green very soon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, if this is a series, guys, if Tampa Bay plays the New York Rangers, I'm taking Tampa Bay to sweep it in four games and then sweep the Stanley Cup finals and just <laughs> laugh all the way to a three-peat, and the Leafs are the only one who steal any games from them. That would be hilarious, wouldn't it? But uh, probably not going to happen. But if, if New York makes it, they're frauds, guys. They're, they are frauds. And we, we've seen them... We've seen them play hockey when Shesterkin is not an absolute god between the pipes. They stink. They're not mm-hmm. good. You know, and we've been saying this literally all year that they're not even a playoff team without Shesterkin. When he falters, you know, things don't go well. And talk about, you know, pick pick any team in the league who you would rather play in the NHL right now in, in the playoffs and you're picking anyone but Tampa Bay. Like they're the last team that you want to play in the playoffs and you know, they can beat you two, one, four games straight, or they can beat you six, five, four games straight. So that's what I think. It's, I think it's going to be, if, if this series comes to fruition, if it's Tampa and New York, I think it's going to be a four game sweep and I think it's going to be a goaltending battle, but I think Tampa Bay comes on top every single time, four times in a row, in low-scoring affairs, because they can beat you any which way, and yep. I just think they're the better team top to bottom. Yeah, well said. All right, uh, so a couple of those scenarios for the Eastern Conference uh, Finals, and again, Game 7 between the Rangers and the Hurricanes tonight at 8 o'clock. Uh, okay, let's go over to the West, and guys, I am... So excited for this matchup. I think the entire hockey world is. It's a couple of the best players on the planet up against each other in the Western Conference Finals. You've got Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers and Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche. And by the way, what a finish to that game six between the Blues and the Avs. I was watching it. Darren Helm, of all people, scores with uh, 5.6 seconds left in regulation, I believe it was, to send Colorado on uh, to their first Western Conference uh, finals berth since 2002, believe it or not. So uh, that's huge for them. And then what a story the Edmonton Oilers have been this season as well, guys. We can remember... 16 and 5 start then they were just atrocious for probably two and a half months dave tippett out the door in comes jay woodcroft completely turns things around a breath of fresh air and this team is in the western conference finals who would have thought i had calgary moving on but it's edmonton this is going to be a great series as much as I want to take Edmonton, as much as I would love to see them in the Stanley Cup Finals, I do finally think that 
Colorado is going to pull through. Uh, but I could see this going six or seven. I can't decide, but I, I'm, I'm going to take the avalanche. So kind of a long-winded uh, winded intro into this one. But uh, what do you guys think about this matchup? It's going to be great. Just quickly, a little controversy there in the old Calgary-Edmonton game to, to move on, eh? What did oh. you think about that? Well, what, what did you think first? What'd no, you no, think you of- go first. Okay, all right. Well, I wanted to get your reaction, but I'll tell you what I thought. That was a good goal. That's a joke. I can't believe that it was called a goal on the ice, and it was overturned, and they, they called that a distinct kicking motion conclusive enough to overturn the goal on the ice. That was ridiculous. I could not believe it. I was shocked. All right. What'd you, what'd you there's think? your verdict. What'd you think? No goal. And I'll give you You're a wrong. very definite. <laughs> I, I'm with Case. A very big reason here for me. And that is the fact that it was Blake Coleman. That mm. guy, No one has more control over their body in a falling motion than Blake Coleman in the whole NHL. Have you seen his two goals where he's getting dragged down and then he one hands it and flicks it over the goalie two times. You know how many times I've seen him going head first into the net scoring goals when he was in New Jersey. That guy has more control than anybody else. And that whole time he's going down, he's staring that puck dead in the eyes, watching it go, watching it go and gives it a little extra nudge across the line. Um, so yeah, I, I gotta say no goal here. Um, well, listen, basically, listen, basically, I, I believe Chad, that. What? Uh, I, I believe that he was watching the puck the whole time and he gave it a little extra nudge. My problem with it is that isn't how they've called the fucking rule all season long. Chad, they haven't called the cross-checking the same way. I know! They haven't called offside. All, they don't. There's no such thing. But as, that's wrong. <laughs> but like, it, it, listen, I you're, you can call the goal either way, and I can see the argument for it. My problem is they haven't called it like that all season long until Game Six of the playoffs, or was it Game Seven? Game Six or Game seven? Five? Game, game five. five. Yeah. And then, then they call it like that. And it, it, they're so conclusive about it. And it's like, to me, that was absolutely ridiculous. You can see goals that were called goals on the ice, challenged, not overturned, that were way more egregious than that, way more deliberate, way more distinct kicking motions. And I'm moving my foot right now, if you can see. Just like booting it in all season long. They've been called goals. So I don't get like what changed because it's the playoffs. Like I think these refs, their mindset is wrong. They, their mindset should be, this is just another game. But I think they get amped up for these games the way that players do. And I think it's wrong. They made the wrong call, in my opinion, because they set the precedent to something different all season I forget, long. I forget who said it, but someone was like, oh, you can't kick. Uh, you can't kick the puck when you're stopping. It's like, yeah, you can. Uh, well, that's literally a power skating drill that you do. So I, I think you can, and I think you did. But uh, frankly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little peek behind the curtain here. Um, I was going to say the opposite of whatever you said, and that's why I wanted you to go first. <laughs> uh. Because uh, you did see my post then. You must have seen my story yeah. when, I, when I was complaining about it. And man, oh, the, yeah. the, the thing is, too, is that these two refs were the same refs who did Game 7 between the Maple Leafs and Tampa. Who, no, but listen, but listen, and made that controversial interference call. Again, I've said this before. It was interference. The problem is they haven't called that all year. 
So how are you supposed to know that that's going to be interference? Same with this. It's like they've called goals that have been literally kicked in. A guy looks at his skate, he looks at the net, looks at the puck coming to him, kicks it in, and they say, that's fine. And then all of a sudden, this like like stopping it into the net is a kicking motion. To me, I don't have a problem with, with what they call. You can call it either way. It doesn't matter to me. Just call it consistently. And they, they don't do it. Those two guys specifically. And those are the two best referees that the NHL has to offer. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to say, like, actually, I, I think it's a goal based off like what's been called all year. It's like the, the actual argument you're giving right now. Yeah. But I do actually also still believe in my points that I was making. Yes. Like yeah. Blake Coleman is so capable of doing that. His leg was in a weird position. Like the, the how like horizontal outside of his body his leg was going through the crease as he was coming across the line that's not really how someone goes down and he is so capable of scoring just ridiculous goals like that so like i was i'm i'm i fully believe that he scored it very much so on purpose with a kick but that doesn't necessarily make it a kicking goal so. yeah or or a, a visibly a distinct kicking motion that was conclusive enough to overturn the call if, on the ice. If it if it was called no goal on the ice, it's a hundred percent no no goal. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that, that's and that's what I'm saying too. It's just like in the rule book, it needs to be distinct, and to overturn the call on the ice, it has to be conclusive. And to me, it was still extremely iffy. And but but like, listen, what you're saying, case, and I get this. Players are smart. They're not dumb. Like, they're trying to score. They know the rules, despite what he said after the game, where he's like, I don't know if I even know the rule book at this point, trying to take a, a shot at the refs. But they, like, they're smart. They know the rules. They know exactly what they're doing when they do things like that. The thing is, it hasn't been called all year, um, but then it was in the playoffs, and those are the best refs that the NHL has to offer. And frankly, if, if you're a Calgary Flames fan, you should be pissed off because it was yeah. the wrong call. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's pull it in a little bit and and get back to. to, to oh, yeah, what are we talking uh, about? What are we doing? <laughs> let's uh, let no. I great great stuff, boys. But uh, let, let's off. get back to to teeing up this matchup because it, it's it's going to be great. Yeah. Cannon versus McDavid, Colorado versus Edmonton. It's it's going to be awesome. So uh, I've given my piece on it. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, if the second round is indicative about one thing, it's that. If your top guys aren't going, you're out of here. Florida Panthers, uh, Barkov had seven points in the playoffs. Huberto had five points in the playoffs. Big Huberto guy. What was going on there? Don't know. Their big guys weren't going. They got swept in the second round. I'll tell you. Both sides have the big guys going in this one. But frankly, I've got to go with the bigger ones. And I've got to go with McDavid and Dreisaitl in this series. They have 10 more points than the second place player in in terms of points in the playoffs this year that's ridiculous that is such a run they're going on right now and the whole team as a whole looks good i'm not i'm not saying they're only carrying i'm saying the whole team looks good and their big guys are on a whole different planet right now so i've got to go with edmonton here they've got so much momentum a getting out of the first round finally for them b beating calgary in the battle of alberta that is 
a huge, huge momentum uh, gain for them. I, I'm going to go with them, although, you know, I obviously this whole time I've had a little like vendetta against Calgary of my or Colorado of my own, and I haven't picked them to win. Uh, when win a series uh in my bracket other than the first round so yeah like i am gonna go with edmonton and i think i'm gonna take them also in game seven yeah i think we can agree that this series is gonna be tight and also super fun um and so i'm gonna go seven games i i had a really tough one i had a really tough decision here i'm gonna go colorado seven games but I think we can agree seven games will probably be wh- what this series amounts to. Money Puck right now has Colorado at 60% and uh, Edmonton at 40 I think it should be as close to 50-50 as you're going to get. Because Case, like you said, the big guys on both teams are just chugging along right here. And I posted a graphic the other day. I don't know if you guys saw it or not. It was the top 10 points per game producers point per game producers in the uh entire history of the nhl playoffs four of the top 10 are playing in this series right now mcdavid dry mckinnon and miko rantanen i was surprised that rantanen was in there but he's having a hell of a a career especially in the playoffs so there you go you've got four of the top 10 point producers in the playoffs Going head-to-head, this is going to be incredible, guys. It's going to be a bloodbath. And, oh, yeah, add Kale McCarr to that mix as well. And, you know, Evander Kane, who's been having an incredible playoff. And Zach Hyman as well. Like, this is going to be so much fun. There's two teams with so much to prove and both on incredible heaters right now after the second round like Colorado has looked like a dominant force since entering the playoffs and Edmonton since beating Calgary like that is such a momentum boost so yeah um, and then and then for Colorado too, even getting out of the second round they've had troubles there like you said harp off the top this is the first time they've been to the conference finals since 2002 so they're over the hump Edmonton's over the hump this is going to be a battle and I can't wait, but I'll go Colorado in seven. Yeah, I was so close to 50-50 on this one. The one the one thing, like, you can say this is stupid all you want. The one thing that really just, like, pushed it just over the edge of 50-50 was the fact that in an OT win, Dreisaitl had four assists on four goals. McDavid scored the game winner in that game. I think Evander Kane was the only other, like, that line scored all the goals. And then on the other side of things, Nathan McKinnon scored a hat trick with one of the most beautiful goals I've seen all year. I yes. love that. I love how that man just gallops down the ice yeah. when he gets the puck. Beautiful. Scores a hat trick and they lose in overtime. And to me, I was like thinking about how your dynamic players have to step up in this series. Well, when the dynamic players stepped up in Edmonton, they won. And that's that's what pushed me over the edge. Yeah case you know what's you know what's funny last uh last round's predictions i remember you saying um connor mcdavid in however many games in seven games or something six in six games when you picked edmonton to win and it's like like how can you be both right and wrong in the same statement because you said connor mcdavid in six meaning that connor was going to carry this team and he has you know he's leading 
all of the playoffs in points, tied with Leon Dreisaitl, yeah. and no one's even close to them after that. But at the same time, they've been getting incredible depth scoring from those guys yeah. we've mentioned as well. They've been getting pretty solid goaltending too. Nothing to, to write home about, but they like you know about league average goaltending. And Jay Woodcroft has found a way to utilize this defense, yeah. and it, it's been working. So I just I was thinking about that before this episode, and I thought you know that's that's the perfect statement because it's like it was both came true and wasn't true, but in a good way for both. Uh, for sure. And, and and probably the two things that made us look like the biggest group of assholes this playoffs is Edmonton and the New York Rangers defense. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, my son hat was pretty bad last episode, but yeah, oh. those, those things. <laughs> Physically look like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think like you look at the Avs blue line and obviously McCarr at the top, but I mean, Devon Taves, excellent. And, and they've got some other guys as well. And, and then Edmonton missing Gerard line. though. Now missing yeah, Gerard. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Broke his sternum. That would hurt a lot. Yeah. That's no, that that's, that's rough for sure. But you know, Eric Johnson, great vet. And then you look at Edmonton and obviously there's nurse, but then they're like, they're kind of just getting it done by committee. You know, like, and CC's playing well, Bouchard, Kulak, all these guys, Duncan Keith, and uh, I just, yeah. But, uh, you know, I really want to take Edmonton. I, I was like, you guys, you know, really close to 50-50 on this because Edmonton has just faced a lot of adversity, a lot of criticism. Like, we we can't lie right guys like we criticize a lot of the moves that kenny holland made in the offseason and look at where they are now and i i'm a big fan of jay woodcroft i love i love after the uh after the win over calgary just comes right off the bench he's got the one hand on the on the hip the the good old power stance waiting to shake hands with daryl sutter and congratulate him on a on a great series and uh by the way too that that little boy ben stelter with who has brain cancer and has become just an incredible super fan and ambassador for the team it was his birthday the other day actually and just you know how the team has rallied around him such a great story and and you just you gotta you gotta feel good for for secret secret weapon just like uh, yeah. Layla, Layla Anderson. Yeah, in, yeah for uh, the Blues. Yeah, 20, 2018. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So anyway, it's it's going to be great. But I agree, it's gonna it's gonna go the distance, and I I have to take uh, I have to take the Avalanche, but it's going to be awesome. Um, so we're wrapping that up. I I had a couple things I wanted to ask you guys because we haven't really talked about it. It's not like super playoff related, but what'd you think of the two, the two Maple Leafs related moves, Giordano and Spezza thoughts on that? Giordano. That's like, there, there is no losing that, that, that is only a good move. (laughs) Like, yeah. So I'm going to keep it brief on that one and, and say that is just a great Toronto Maple Leafs move that cannot go wrong. And then Jason Spezza, like, and that sucks. It's literally the, like maybe the only time EA sports NHL has ever gotten it right. And that's that he was five points off of a thousand points. And it seemed like that happened every single time in that video game. Um, <laughs> just freaking play. I know. Right. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. But they got him as an advisor and and that's huge as well. That like they're saying in the playoffs, like they only won that that one game in the Tampa series because his pep talk in the dressing room and then talking to uh, Jack Campbell on the ice. And it's like, well, he can continue to do that all year next year. And that's kind of what Travis Ajak is, is going to be doing with the Devils as well, which I love because he's been there his whole career and he's such a good mentor and a leader and everything. So it's also a good move. Like pretty, you, you can replace Jason Spezza's physical playing on the ice but you can't replace that locker room presence and and they don't need to Mm -hmm. no i agree uh both great moves that like especially the the giordano one like this guy won the norris trophy not that long ago he's not a young guy but he's still a very good nhl defenseman and i thought he was terrific in his short time with the maple leafs uh i guess the original offer was around a million dollars and he was willing to knock 200k off of that and and take 800,000 and uh that's that's just a, a great deal and and that's what we're going to see a lot of for the maple leafs right it's getting really good players on good deals like that we saw it with michael bunting last off season and now we're seeing it with uh still an elite defenseman in in mark giordano so love that jason spezza great career first of all 19 seasons think about his prime days playing for the ottawa senators uh one of the best slap shots i've ever seen um in in the game and just a great guy on and off the ice and nice nice move by the maple leafs keeping him around because clearly they like him he has a presence in that organization and uh even though he's not going to be on the ice with them uh he's still going to be a big factor off of the ice so i love both moves yeah with the giordano thing like i've seen some people in comments like when it happened first of all i was stoked for for that move and then for the spezza move i was kind of you know mixed emotions because i don't think he's quite the player he used to be like this year was kind of a down year and you could see he's sort of winding down in and out of the lineup and you felt bad every time he was scratched so i think it's good he's sticking around just not on the ice and and chris johnson actually called that a, a few weeks ago um but the Giordano move, I've seen some people criticize when it happened that, you know, oh, what's 200K going to do type thing because they heard they offered him a million and he signed for 800K. And I think it was a Steve Dangle podcast who said this. Um, that's Timothy Lilligren's race right there. Like, that's yeah. that literally pays to keep that guy around. So, you know, 200K might not seem like much in the grand scheme of things, an $82.5 million cap, but... You know, if, if that's giving a raise to one of your, you know, your young defensemen, like, I think that's that's the best you can do, you know, as a player. So wanted to ask you guys about that. I haven't had a chance to talk about it with, with anyone, so I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I, mis- I misread that, how you were saying that comment at first. I thought they were saying, like, like oh, like, Giordano's not that much of a saint. He's only taking 200K. What's 200K to Giordano? That's where I thought you were going with yeah. that. I was like, fuck off. No, no. <laughs> but, but like, equally fuck off to the same, like, oh, what's 200K going to save you against the cap? It's like, well, do you like Timothy Lilligren? Yeah. There you go. Do you like Rasmus Sandin? You could allocate it for him, too. I mean, it might be more for, for Rasmus, but anyway. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it means more than you think uh, to a team that's that's you know trying to contend and is right up against it when it comes to the cap. So, uh, no, both great moves all around uh, on and off the ice. All right, guys, that does it for episode one twenty seven. Uh, again, we've got game seven tonight. So, uh, you know, after you're done listening to this, you can go and watch that again. It starts at eight o'clock, and and then we have the final four in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, looking forward. To, uh, to it the rest of the way we'll chat with you again next week and uh thanks so much for listening remember uh to head over to our website as well check out uh, our our merch drop all kinds of great items uh still a little bit of time to get in on that and uh still a, a, a full summer is ahead so thanks so much for listening we'll talk to you again next week this has been another episode of boys in the booth with harper cody chad melbourne and casey abrams New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth. 